Hey guys, welcome to Church for the Harvest. We are so excited for you guys to be tuning in online today. So grab a cup of coffee, sit on the couch or stand up, and we're going to have an awesome service for you guys.
interested in leading a life group, I would love to hear from you. We're going to start May 17th and go for about six to eight weeks, depending on how long your study is. Uh, this could be for teenagers. This could be for women. It could be a life group for men, for couples. Um, obviously, we're going to use, use a different way to meet for now. Um, the idea of meeting on Zoom and not having to leave your home. You can do it in your pajamas. It could be a Saturday morning, a Friday evening, Thursday afternoon, Monday morning. This is really a great opportunity to connect and not have to um, meet in person. So if you are interested, please reach out uh, and then you can invite your family and friends. We're going to help you. We will create some announcements for you, uh, ability to post that on Facebook, and then we'll also help you create an event if you need help so that people can, um, you can invite people and they can join. So um, they can also join through the Alexio app on the church um, app. So. Let us know if you have questions. We would love to um, just come alongside you, support you. Uh, if you have any interest at all, I'd like to hear from you. Even if you've never led a life group, I can walk you through it. So give me a call. Be blessed. Have an amazing day. Bye-bye. Church for the Harvest, Danny here to give you a really quick update on our blood drive that's coming up on May 13th from 1 to 7 p.m. We currently have 22 people signed up for the event, which is really awesome. Thank you so much to everyone who's already signed up, but we have 25 more open spots that we can fill still. Um, you can sign up at redcrossblood.org and then type in the Alexandria zip code and scroll down to the Church for the Harvest blood drive. This is a really cool event um, where we're gonna really get to help support our local community hospitals um, and patients. So. Thank you guys so much for uh, helping with this event. Feel free to share it with friends and family. You do not have to be a member of Church for the Harvest to attend this and donate. Um, 
So I can't wait to see some of you guys out at the event. I miss everyone so much and I hope you all have a really great week. That's all for announcements this week. You can now prepare your tithes and offerings because Joey's taking over. Good morning, church family and guests. My name is Joey Ratzett. As you prepare to give via text or the church app, I've got a quick word for you. And I hope that all, all of you have been getting outside and enjoying God's creation as much as I have lately. And but I also hope that as we're getting busier and trying to be, be more active and get outside, that we're staying inside of God's will. So I want to say this to you quick. I know we can get distracted so easily, as I have noticed myself uh, doing that recently as well. Uh, not to mention trying to keep up with the current situation on a local and national level, and that can really steal our attention, right? But I want us to shift our perspective right now, and let's set our minds on things above, and let our hearts rest in the Lord Almighty, our strong tower, the King of Kings. So what do you imagine he's doing right now? The King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the unchanging one, who's seated above the heavens, the one who's overcome death in the grave, do you think he's sitting on the sidelines in this hour? No, our God, our all-powerful God is active and he's working during all of this. And I want to share with you that we have an opportunity to be a part of what he's doing right now. And I would dare say that a lot of what he has to do is actually through us. And I want to challenge us as his sons and daughters to not forget that we are his ambassadors. And now more than ever, we need to turn to him and ask for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. And part of God's will for us is to be generous, especially when the rest of society may be in hoarding and helping themselves mentality. Uh, we have an amazing opportunity to invest into the eternal and to look for opportunities to lend and sow into his kingdom uh, and to support and help those who cannot support themselves. So in a time like this, there's a temptation to look out for number one and to act in fear and to hold tightly what we have. And I've felt that myself. But I will challenge you not to sow sparingly in these times of uncertainty because God will breathe on the gift given in faith. And He will provide, for He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And He will supply all your needs, for He is El Shaddai, our supplier, the all-sufficient one. So be bold in these days, brothers and sisters, and stay close to Jesus and listen and obey His voice. And I want to leave you with this scripture. It's Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. It says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let's pray. Father, give us understanding of your will, your plans, and your promises, and give us the boldness to lay hold of them for the sake of each other and those who don't yet know your love for them. Thank you for always making a way and providing for your children. We trust you. Amen. Well, good morning, Church for the Harvest family and friends. Just want to welcome you to our service this morning. God bless you as you gather together. Today is Communion Sunday, and we're going to receive communion at the end of the service. So just want to uh, let you know that beforehand so you can prepare if you want to participate in that as we receive communion together. Uh, so maybe you can just uh, get the communion elements together if you have that. Uh, uh, then we can partake together at the end of the service. Uh, just a couple of announcements here. Um, you know, we are continuing with uh, Facebook Live on every Saturday uh, for uh, prayer. And I've invited some of the intercessors to, to come uh, this uh, uh, from here on out these Saturdays to, to pray and walk through here and, and just, just pray uh, for our nation and, and this whole uh, crisis situation. 
And then uh, also just another announcement on our Harvest Blood Drive, Church of the Harvest Blood Drive, which is uh, Wednesday, May 13th from 1 to 7. Um, we have a number, number of slots already filled. Just want to encourage you, and that will be here at the church, and it's a great opportunity for us as a church to, to, to uh, give back uh, and give uh, uh, blood, which there's a tremendous demand for that. So, so let's take a moment and pray and ask for God's blessing as I share the Word of God today. Lord God, I humble myself before you, and I ask that you speak through me. And give to your people what they need here today. I just thank you for all those that have tuned in and uh, that are <clears throat> joining us, uh, family and friends, extended family, those even outside the state. And <clears throat> we bless them and we just thank you, Father, for this time. And I just pray the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, just, just invade their living rooms and uh, uh, their kitchens and wherever they may be at, uh, uh, whether it may be uh, listening by uh, on a podcast or watching this uh, uh, live. Lord, I just bless everyone here today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want to talk to you in these next few weeks on a, a new series that, that's been stirring within my heart. And I've just, this will be the first week I've titled it Following Jesus. And I thought in the midst of all this crisis, what's going on, I've asked this question over the last few weeks, what is Jesus asking of us individually? What is he asking of us individually? And, and so that's what got me going here on, on just this series here uh, that I, I really believe God is asking us to follow him, to follow him. And what does that mean? And not holding back, but being all in. And so I subtitled this message, uh, uh, Not Holding Back, or Don't Hold Back on God. So uh, my text is in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. And I'll read. Whoever wants to be my disciple, Jesus said, must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. And then another verse, uh, which is really the gist of this message today, is in the Old Testament, Psalms 84, verse 11. And this is what the Lord says, watch this. He says this, no good thing does God withhold from those who walk uprightly. Wow, what a powerful truth. No good thing does God withhold for those who walk uprightly. You know, when you think about it, if you, if you have a, a, a biblical understanding uh, uh, before the fall, before, uh, you know, Adam and Eve sinned and, and Satan came and took over, the heart of God, you need to get this, the heart of God was to bless us, to live in prosperity. Come on, somebody, that we would live in peace. There would be no turmoil, no pandemics, none of that. See, that was the heart of God for humanity, for humanity. And, and we're going to talk a little bit how Satan lied to Eve and, 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 and where his whole mindset is to get us to question God, to question God's goodness the question that that God is he really good and so if you don't get that down and you don't have a comprehension of that you're going to struggle your whole Christian life thinking God is out to get you and I knew it you know and, and he's you know he's raking me through the coals and, and you're going to have a misconstrued idea of who really God is because God really is good and in and, and, and what's so hard is the suffering of humanity and taking that in light of that 
and we struggle with that, trying to make peace with that, but we know that there's a real devil out there and that he has come to kill, to steal, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us life, and we're going to we're going to talk about that abundant life. But I'm holding here in my hand, I have a little book, and uh, it's only about 408 pages, and it's titled Fox's Book of Martyrs. Fox's Book of Martyrs. And I have uh, underlined in various parts in here. This is a condensed version of a book that was written. It started in, in, in the 1500s, and, and it is actually about the early church and the Christian martyrs. And I'm just going to read a segment of the early disciples. And so let me just jump in. And so uh, you could get one of these books and read yourself and find out about this. But in A.D. 44, King Herod ordered that James the Great be thrust through with a sword. This is the early disciple. He was the first of the apostles to be martyred. And so, so history writes this bloodbath began. Luke, the disciple Luke, he was hung by the neck from an olive tree in Greece. Do you remember Doubting Thomas? Doubting Thomas was pierced, it says, with a pine spear. He was tortured with red-hot plates and then burned alive in India. Unbelievable. In AD 54, the proconsul of Hierapolis had Philip tortured and crucified. Philip in the New Testament. Because his wife converted to Christianity. And while he was preaching the gospel, that's when his wife got saved. And so, so they crucified him. And watch this. Philip continued to preach while he was on the cross. Unbelievable. Matthew was stabbed in the back. The book of Matthew, when you turn and you read that, he was stabbed in the back in Ethiopia. Bartholomew was flogged to death in Armenia. In AD around 62, 63, James the Just, he is called, was thrown off the southeast pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem. And after he survived a hundred foot fall, unbelievable, he was clubbed to death by a mob. History says to Josephus that while praying, he was praying for those that were stoning him. He said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Simon the Zealot was crucified by a governor in Syria in AD 74. Judas, or also known as Thaddeus, was beaten to death with sticks in Mesopotamia. Matthias, who replaced Judas Iscariot, if you remember in the New Testament, they had to have someone take his place, Judas, who went and hung himself. So Matthias was the one that was, was picked, was stoned to death and then beheaded. Peter, disciple Peter, was crucified upside down as his own request. And then we hear of John the Beloved. John the Beloved was the only disciple to die of natural causes, and he was told, history says, about in his 90s at that time. But that's only because he survived his own execution. When a cauldron of boiling oil could not kill him, so they tried to throw him in this cauldron of boiling oil, the emperor then, that's amazing, that's just a miracle, exiled him to the island of Patmos, where he actually penned the book of the Revelation until his death in A.D. 95. You know, back in March of... Uh, 2020 here, just a, a month or so here ago, um, <clears throat> it's been 457 years, 457 years uh, since Fox's Book of Martyrs was penned, and that first publication that came out, and that original book had over a thousand pages, and by the third and fourth edition, it was over 2,000 pages. 
because they kept adding to it all the martyrs of the saints of old. Our Christian brothers and sisters, amazing, amazing. You know, <clears throat> why does that matter? That matters it, because it's a reality check to all of us. And I think every born-again believer should have at least a, a small version of Fox's Book of Martyrs and once in a while cruise through it when you're going through suffering, when you're going through a pandemic, when you're going through a situation, you're thinking, I cannot handle this. This is above and beyond me. And I, I, I don't know how I can make it, God. When you read something like that in the stories and testimonies, my brothers and sisters, our problems diminish greatly, diminish greatly. And so it brings our first world problems into perspective. In other words, it redefines risk and sets the standard for sacrifice. The Fox's Book of Martyrs. Amazing. Amazing. And so if you think about it, I want you to think about it. And, and I am not minimizing uh, the, the 60,000 plus deaths just in America and the tens and thousands that have been infected with this virus and, and, and how it has just devastated so many families and it's touched home. I mean, one life lost is too much. It's too much. And that's tremendously sad. But, you know, if you look at a perspective of the church back in the first, second and third centuries, I mean, you think about it today, we still have Internet access. Come on, somebody. I mean, so for some of you it might be a little bit slower because everybody's on it. How many you know you can still phone in and get, you know, food dudes or someone to come deliver your food? Amen. I mean, you could still go to the local hardware store or whatever, for the most part, and pick up what you need for your small projects. And how many know we can, we can still buy gas? <laughs> I remember the times when you couldn't. And gas is cheaper than it's been in decades. Uh, so there's, when you think of, okay, we're suffering, suffering, can't go out of our house, or for many of us, you know, can't resume as life used to be in the past. And, you know, I think at Amazon Prime, they have this little uh, bar at the top, and they say, you know, because of COVID-19, you may not get your product in two days. <laughs> it may be extended for a few more days. You know, it really brings into perspective when you read what the early church went through. And these are our brothers and sisters. And here's the thing, I just want you to think about this. And this, I never get this out of my mind. I never, this never leaves me. It, it, it's, it's always, um, even though I may come to a thing where I'm frustrated or angry or, you know, uh, uh, you know I fleshed out or whatever and then I kind of come to my senses, amen, you know, and, and I never get this out of my mind, is that when I'm dead and I'm with the Lord and I'm with the saints in heaven, come on now, and then I meet some of these first century believers that their whole family was taken from them and they were martyred for their faith and they wouldn't recant their Christian faith. Boy, I tell you, thinking about that makes me feel very, very small in light of the sacrifice or the suffering that we go through today. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. And so what am I trying to say? By comparison, many of our problems and uh, the, the things that we go through, the difficulties, they're tame. And many of our sacrifices seem lame considering the early church Christians. And you say, well, what do you, what do you mean? That's my, well, what are you saying? It's like, well, it's, our normal is so subnormal that normal seems radical. Let me say that again. Our normal seems so subnormal that our normal seems radical. I mean, somebody unlikes you on Facebook. 
man, you're hurt. It bothers you for the whole day. How could they do that to me? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just, you know, we think that, you know, uh, if we, if we, if someone raises their hands in church, I've actually had someone tell me this one time and he goes, yeah, that, you know, not in our church, but just, just in general, this, this, this guy, yeah, he raises his hands in church. Boy, he's a radical believer. You got to be kidding. Just because you raise your hand. I mean, how many of you know the Bible talks about lifting up holy hands? That, that's just part of being a believer and worshiping God and praising him and, and all forms and fashion. But does that define radical that I just raise my hands in church? I don't think so. I don't think so. That's good to do. And we need to lift up holy hands. Amen. But I'm just trying to bring a perspective here to all of us. And so what we think is normal to the first century disciples, normal, watch this, and radical. Normal and radical were synonyms. That means it was the same. And we have turned them into antonyms. You know, we've made them, you know, opposite. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 24. Jesus, what does he do? He drops a bomb with his disciples. In other words, he, Jesus wanted to see who was in and who was out, or more accurately, who really was all in with him. So Jesus drops this bomb and in Luke 9. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross. How many know you? God has a, a cross for you? Not, not, not one necessarily physically that you carry, but there's something about a spiritual cross uh, that God wants to carry. And we're going to talk about that, what that means. We're not talking about works here or legalism or anything like that. But Jesus is speaking here. And he's talking about a cross that each and every one of us, not that's my husband's job or my wife's job or, my, you know, you know, my core, you know, that's the pastor's job. And no, every single one of us, Jesus is saying, I have a cross for you. Mm. Wow. So Jesus took this literally. Take up their cross daily and follow me. <clears throat> Jesus in the disciples, and Jesus said this too, and he said this to his disciples, and they took that literally. I just read how all of them, except John, died. They took it literally when it came down to it. They, they wouldn't deny the faith. Amazing, amazing. That takes the power of the Holy Spirit on your life. How many know that we can at least take this figuratively for our life? Now, once again, I'm not suggesting we need to die physically for Christ. Majority of all of us never will, never will. But how many know we all need to die to ourselves? Come on, somebody. We all need to die to our flesh. We all need to die to our self-wills and the pride in our life. And we need to die to our fleshly appetites. And I believe that's part of the cross, taking it up daily. Can you say amen? So here's the thing. I've said this before. If Jesus hung on his cross, we certainly can carry ours. Amen? Amen? And so here's the thing. It's, it, it, it's not that, it's not just our greatest responsibility. Hear me, it, it's our highest privilege to take up the cross and follow the Lord. It's our highest privilege. Anything less than, if I could say it this way, complete surrender. And that speaks to me. That convicts me. Complete surrender of our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It is, it is robbing God of the glory that he demands and that he deserves. He deserves all glory and honor. That's convicting. That's convicting to me, and I believe it should be convicting to all of us. Can you say amen? What is that doing? It's cheating ourselves out of our eternal reward God has reserved for us. And here's the thing, I believe this. If we will not, if we will not come alive in the truest, fullest sense, 
until we die to ourselves. In other words, until we die to ourselves, we really don't know what it means to live. The people that pursue everything to make their life so peaceful and no troubles and no issues, they're not alive, they're dead. They're dead, why? That's why you see so many famous people and people that are much great affluence and have all, you know, the money in the world for 10 lifetimes, killing themselves, committing suicide. Why? I thought you would be fulfilled with all those things. No, Jesus says if you lose your life, you gain life. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. So <clears throat> I, I think about in the truest and fullest sense that as we die to ourselves, we come alive. We truly live. We truly live. You know, I think of, and I'm humbled by this, and it only by God's grace, and I'm not boasting of myself, but of the 50 or 60 missions trips that I've taken throughout my life in all, all parts of the world, uh, communist world, and some of the Muslim countries, and uh, Southeast Asia, and, and uh, just, just taken many, many missions trips, you know, the suffering, if I could say, you know, not having water or being able to have food or, or, or you know, just a lot of inconveniences, the travel and, and even the persecution in, in, in some of those countries. And when you think about it, I wouldn't trade that for anything. I wouldn't trade all, all of that. And, and what happens is here's the lie of the enemy. He tells us, you know, you can't do that. That's, you know, that's just for the real radical ones, you know, the ones that raise their hands. Uh, you know, you, you could never go on a missions trip or you could never do something here and serve in a capacity, you know. And, and we just, we try to save ourselves. We try to save our lives, trying to, trying to actually hang on to life. And when I look at all those times, I thought, man, I don't know. I didn't think I was going to make it out of that one. Or, you know what, I thought that plane I was in definitely was going to go down. I had baloney skins for tires and one engine seemed like it was about to fail. And that was it. We were going into the, the in, you know, the, the Dead Sea somewhere or something. You know, I look back and I just think, okay, you know what? Those were all be at dangerous times, but I, I wouldn't trade them for anything. I, I look back and I think my life, hear me, is so much richer today because of that mild suffering. Mild suffering. Amen. Amen, church. Galatians 2.20 talks about that. And Colossians 3, verses 3 or 5 talks about that also. It says we're Christ. Who is our life? That's an interesting passage. It says, Christ, who is our life? In other words, we find our life in Christ. We find our life as we surrender ourselves to God's purpose. You know, let me just interject here, because I believe this is an important part when we talk to, and sometimes when we talk about this, people think, oh, pastor's on a rampage. We can't be watching, you know, Netflix, and we can't be going to movies, which you can't now, but, you know, we can't, we can't do this, we can't do that, and pastor's advocating all these restrictions on our life. No, no, no. Here's what, here's what I believe the scripture is telling us about dying to self means. Watch this. Dying to self is not about what we are not allowed to do. So right there, that just crashes that whole house of cards. It's not about we are not allowed to do. It's about what we are now free to do in Christ Jesus. That's what I mean by dying to ourselves. See, Christ freed us from the pig pet. And a lot of us camp out there so they praise God, we're set free from that pig pen and we stay there. And as we get to here in a moment, God has, has he's done an exchange that we were once slaves, now we're free. 
Free to do what? Just say, whoo, we're free, hallelujah. Come to church on a Sunday when that resumes, amen, for an hour and a half, and then now we're free, whoo, to live our lives. No, my brothers and sisters, there's exchange. There's an exchange there. And, you know, I've said this before. If Jesus is not Lord of all, then Jesus is not Lord at all. How many know it's, it's either all or nothing? It's either now or never. You know, in America especially, we've kind of Americanized the gospel and, and or, you know, we spiritualize the American dream and kind of take your pick. And uh, that, that's not the true gospel, what's getting broadcast a lot of times. And, uh, how many know that if you add something to the gospel, you're not enhancing it? The gospel is good enough just as it is, just as it is as you can read it. And so any addition or subtraction really uh, is, is not the gospel. The Bible talks about them. You know, we would never really say this. We would never vocalize this. But many times, we want God on our own terms. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? We want God on our own terms. And if we don't get it our way, it's, it's kind of, that's when we feel like we're suffering so much because we want, we want Jesus. We want, you know, security. We don't want to go to hell. You know, we, we want to be saved. But many times, we want it on our terms and, and our desires and how we want to orchestrate our life. And, you know, that really is a false religion. And the end result is a, is a false god that we have created in our own image. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Watch this. You only get a relationship with God on his terms. Isn't that right? I mean, that's not legalism. How many of you know that? You can't come to Christ on your own terms. you got to come to Christ on his terms. And we know that means humbling yourself, repenting, asking Christ into your life. Can you say amen? And so... Here's a, we can't take it or leave it. You know what? We, we have to do it His way, God's way. <clears throat> and, and, and the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So what is the Apostle Paul doing? He he's defines the deal that is on the table this way, that, that, it, that it's, it's God's way. The moment, watch this, that you bow your knee, the moment that you bow your knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, all of our sin, your sin, my sin, is transferred to Christ's account. That's what that's saying. And it's paid in full. It was nailed to the cross 2,000 years ago. Someone needs to shout amen to that. But see, here's the thing. That's where many believers camp out at that point. That's as far as they go. Now, I'm challenging, and I believe the Holy Spirit is challenging us all in this season to get beyond, whoo, praise God, I'm saved. Now I can live my life. There's something more. In other words, if I could say it that way, that is only half the gospel. What do you mean? How many know that mercy is not getting what you deserve, which is the wrath of God? That's what, that's what mercy is. How many know that we all have deserved the wrath of God? How many know that grace is getting what you don't deserve? which is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's what grace is. <clears throat> and that's what Paul is saying here in this passage. He said, everything you've done wrong is forgiven and is forgotten when we come to Christ. Praise God. Everything that Jesus did right, his righteousness then is transferred to our account. And then that's what does God do? God calls it even. And what an amazing, amazing uh, 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 impartation which the Lord has done it's like God says I'll take the blame for everything that you did wrong watch this and you get the credit for everything I did right what a good God we serve amen so 
it really it doesn't get any better than that. That's why you don't need to add or take away from the purest sense of the gospel. That's why it's called the gospel. That's why it's good news. It's good news. It's not just good news. It's the best news ever. Can you say amen? And so here's the thing. The gospel is free. It doesn't cost anything. We cannot buy it. We cannot earn it through works in the flesh. We cannot. We can only receive it as a free gift, compliments of God's grace. But here's the point. Here's the point I'm trying to make here. The gospel is free. Amen. <clears throat> it costs nothing, but it demands everything. Did you get that? Once again, the gospel costs nothing. But watch this. It demands everything. It demands everything. The gospel is free. The gospel is the good news, but it's a free gift, the scriptures talk about. But, but the gospel demands everything of our lives, of our lives. You know, that's where most of us get stuck in this, if I could say, this spiritual no man's land. This spiritual no man's land. I could title it the DMZ zone. And uh, some of us as believers, we're stuck in the DMZ zone. You say, well, what, what do you mean by that? You know, there's a lot of chatter out there about North Korea and Kim Jong-un and how's he doing now. And there's been tensions over the years uh, with them. And it's the 38th parallel is this DMZ zone, they call it, the demilitarized zone. And in that zone is you have South Korea and North Korea. And then that 38th parallel is kind of that zone where it's no man's land. And so you're not on the front lines per se. You know, you're, you're in the line of fire and you're not in the place of safety. The DMZ, it actually means this, a disputed ground between the front lines or trenches of two opposing armies. The DMZ of North and South Korea, the 38th parallel. So in other words, it's the space between the front lines and safety. Did you get that? The DMZ zone. Say, so, well, what do you mean, Pastor Mike? How, can, how do we get stuck in the DMZ? You ready? Watch this. What do you mean? I would, I'll title this. Ways that we get stuck in the DMZ, the Christian DMZ zone. In other words, we're too Christian to enjoy sin and too sinful to enjoy Christ. Wow. We have got just enough Jesus to be informed, but not enough to be transformed. We want everything God has to offer without giving anything up. Hmm. We want buy-in without selling out. DMZ zone, Christian DMZ zone. We're afraid that if we hold out on God, we'll miss out on what this life has to offer. That's a lie. These are all lies that Satan has told believers from the beginning of time. <clears throat> These are all lies. It's the same lie that the serpent told Eve uh, as, as Satan was involved in that with the serpent in the garden in Genesis 3. Now the serpent said to the woman, did God really say, kind of question mark, and that's how the enemy works in our lives to keep us stuck in these uh, no man's land. And <clears throat> we're saved, but we're not willing to go to the next level that God has for us and step out. Did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? You will not certainly die. So he brings into question God's command. The servant said to the woman, for God knows, watch this, that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, Eve, God's holding out on you. There's so much more exciting things that are really out there in the world that will really give fulfillment in your life. And if you, if you choose to live God's constraint, 
uh, rigid, you know, isolated way, you're going to miss out on life. And it's a lie. It's a lie. And many of us bought into that lie and we wonder why we're stuck in the DMZ zone. Wow. It's all a lie. And so, so basically Satan saying, you know, God's holding out on you, Eve. He's holding out. There's something better out there. And here's the thing. I can't prove this scripturally or whatever. Uh, but I would imagine that in time, uh, the Lord would have let them eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil in God's time, on his terms, when he wanted, when he felt they were ready. But at that time, he said, don't eat it. Just an obedience point. And see, because why? Because our God is not holding out on us. And many of us feel that he is. <clears throat> and that's the lie of the Satan gives to all of us that, hey, you know what? You've got to take matters into your hand. And, and, uh, and I'm not talking about, you know, you know, not advocating that, not that we should be uh, diligent men and women of God. We're not saying that. We're talking about here holding out on God. Holding out on God. See, friends, God is not holding out on you. Psalms 84.11, back to our verse, says this. No good thing does God withhold from those who walk uprightly. Friends, God is not holding out on you. He's not holding out on us. He's not holding out on us. Amen. So if you don't hold out on God, I don't believe God will hold out on you. He's, that's not his nature to hold out on you. But he's requiring something of us. He's requiring our life. He's requiring more than just the, you know, Jesus come into my life, salvation. Okay, now I'm born again. Woo, now I can go live my life my way. No, there's a sacrifice. There is an obedience level that God is calling us to as we walk circumspect in this life with him. Can you say amen? So I want to encourage you to stop holding out on God. You say, Pastor, I feel like I have. I, I've not even taken that first step. I'm, I don't have the assurance of salvation. In other words, God forbid, but if you die today, you don't, you don't have that assurance of salvation. The Bible said these things are written that you may know you have eternal life. God wants you to know. He wants you to be secure. He doesn't want you to come to that place, end of your life. And you know what? Even albeit it is a challenging and can be a, a fear-filled thing, the end of life, but he wants to give you that confidence and peace to knowing you're secure with him. If that's you, you can receive Christ right now, right where you're at, those you've tuned in that are listening. What do you need to do? Take the step of faith. Surrender your life. Repent of your sin. Receive Christ in your life. If you're willing to do that, pray with me right now if you would. Let's take a moment, church. Say with me. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. Jesus, I ask that you come into my life. I believe you died on that cross 2,000 years ago. And I am going to give you my life. I am going to give the reins of my life to you. And I have a lot of questions. I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to trust you. In your word that it's true. And so teach me, Lord, now. As I give you my life, take it in Jesus' name. Friends, if you prayed that prayer, I believe God is going to meet you at your point of obedience and need. And so we have materials and we have information to help you along your journey. We want to know. We want to know how. And you may be out of state or listening, another part of the country, or I don't know, maybe even overseas. And you say, you know what, Pastor, help me. I need materials. I want to know. I want to grow in my faith. We will reach out to you. Just email us at uh, uh, Church for the Harvest. Uh, and you can you can uh, uh, get in contact with us. And the screen there is there has information on that. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to receive communion today. And so as we mentioned earlier in the service, 
uh, I have the communion elements here with me, and we're going to just kind of lead you as the church family. And you know what? If you just were born again and your life was made right with the Lord, and, and you can participate if you have the communion communion elements ready, and there's some some bread and some juice and or whatever you choose there, and and and. The Lord talks about how we can do this uh, and to remember him, but also more, there's a covenant. I believe there's an anointing, there's a grace, there's a healing. I believe that even now as we receive communion, there'll be a deliverance for many of you and, and that oppression of the spirit of fear that is gripped where you want to save your life <clears throat> in the sense of security and, and, and what you're trying to do and, and not surrender your life totally to the Lord. So, so, so let's come together now and and if you are going to participate in this, I'm going to read the scripture from uh, 1 Corinthians. For I received, Paul says of the Lord, that which I delivered also to you, that the Lord Jesus, the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this for remembrance or in remembrance of me. So let's uh, partake together with the bread. And then in verse 25, in the same way, the Bible says he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it for remembrance of me. And we do this to remember the covenant that we have with our God. Amen. That he is a covenant-keeping God and he holds to his, his word and his promises. And, that, and that, that same word of that verse I read at the beginning, no good thing would God withhold from those who walk uprightly. You say, Pastor, I have been walking uprightly. Communion is a tremendous time as we come together and we come back in sync and we get on that circumstance spec path straight and narrow path and and we ask for forgiveness and cleansing and the purifying of our mind and our hearts the lord washes clean as we begin afresh and anew that is a tremendous gift of god the gift of repentance and we need to we need to to utilize that and the spirit of repentance is here to heal you and forgive you in jesus name let's drink together amen praise god well God bless you, church. Thank you for tuning in today. We just want to speak a blessing as we end today over your life and your family and over, over your business too. And, and many of you, you're struggling in, in your businesses and, 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 and looking at how things will resume. And I'm just believing God that, that his favor is over your life and that, that it's not going to be as challenging, as difficult. Because when we get our center right, we get our heart right with the Lord. Even though we're faced with difficult situations, real situations, and, and sometimes devastating, God can help us. He is our helper. Amen? And if he's not going to withhold any good thing from us, how many of you know that he can turn a negative situation around? He can bring sales back to you in a super abundant way. He can bring increase. He can, he can do supernatural things. What is he looking for? He's looking for our hearts to be right with him. Amen, church? Amen. Lord, I just bless the people of God. And I just thank you for this time. They've tuned in and to hear your word and for us to receive communion together as a church body with extended family and friends and those who've tuned in. I bless those people uh, that may even be out of state that have listened. And, and we just speak a blessing over their lives, Father, and their families. And I just pray your comfort and your peace be with them all now. We ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, church. And, uh, we'll be passing information uh, soon on uh, as as 
looks like things are beginning to winding down, especially in West Central Minnesota here. And when church will resume, I'm in contact with a number of pastors in the community and, and, and when things will be opening up and for us to resume together physically to come back uh, to church. Uh, we believe it will be sooner uh, than later. And so we will keep you informed on that. So thank you for, for tuning in. God bless you. Have a blessed day in the Lord.